Alright, welcome to Video Game Bullshit. Uh, we're back here with another fun episode. Um, again, this is Jeff and Kyle, just holding down the fort. And Snow now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I know uh, Kyle has the um, itinerary, so let him go over what we're going to talk about today. So, uh, I was thinking we could discuss um, console versus emulation. And uh, I think it's just interesting because a lot of times with emulation, a lot of people say they can't stick to one game. They play a game for like a few minutes, and then they get bored of it, or they want to play something else. And uh, the kind of attention deficit sets in. Um, So that was kind of where I wanted to start with that. And even just um, how you feel as far as emulation First gaming goes. I know some people are purists, some people aren't, and you know, the whole gamut, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's multi-facets to, uh, multiple facets to the actual emulation world as well as the gaming world, so you got people that are purists to where they want to play the game on the console, then you got strict purists that want to play the game on the console, on a CRT. You know what I mean? Like super, super duper purists, yeah. Yeah, and then you got like people... In the best possible way. And then you got people that will sit there and upscale the graphics onto a TV that's not supposed to be meant to be on, and it's not quite perfect every time. So you got that on the other side as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, yeah, there's just like, as, as far as the collecting goes, I feel that um, once I started getting up there and getting more carts, it kind of folded in on itself because all the games that I collected, I, it's like, do I just, I just want to leave them, you know, where they are in their protected case, kind of defeating the purpose of a game altogether, just basically confining it as art and part of a complete collection. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, but that's the irony, is that like... Back in the day when you know, we were kids, really back in the day when we were kids, I used to rent a video game, and I would play the shit out of that game because that's all I had. I didn't have a million games to play. All I had was, I don't know, Tengen Tetris, and I had to play that all weekend because guess what? If I didn't play that, that's all I had. <laughs> you know, you had a couple standards that I played the shit yeah, out of, like Mario, it. but I only had a couple games growing up. And then when you get more, you play yeah, them less and less and less. Yeah, that, that's like what we were saying like with the Turtles, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, thing. You know, if once you have, you, you get your first figure, and it's amazing. You, you take that little guy everywhere you go, and he's involved with every little thing that you do. And then once you start getting more figures and more figures, you kind of forget about that whole aspect, uh, and you don't. It's not the same anymore. It's, it's weird, um, but I think focusing, and I think that's the one thing about the emulation and people yeah. can only play with for a few minutes. You, you have to really make a goal to beat it, you know? And that's, you know what's funny that's is kind of like, the whole thing with... Think, thinking about, like, the Ninja Turtle aspect that you were just talking about, like, I just moved from yeah. Indiana all the way out to the East Coast, and... Since, for like the last week and a half, all my stuff has been packed up. So, what's pretty funny is watching how my 
daughter reacts. All her toys right now are gone. And as you know, my daughter's spoiled. So <laughs> it's it's pretty funny seeing like how she has like a like a bag full of stuff right now. She plays with all those toys a ton, but when she had her room with a million toys, she only she really they were like all over the floor. She didn't really know what to focus on. Yeah, you don't know what to do. It's just so much going on, and uh, it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. Uh, it's just something in the mind. It's like psych- psychological. Yeah. Um, when you have everything, <laughs> you do nothing. Like <laughs> it's really bizarre. It's weird. <laughs> when you have nothing, you do everything. <laughs> yeah, and so really, some doctors should you know look into this shit. Cause it's fucked up. <laughs> So, so, so the other side of the Seriously, thing is, yeah. though, is you have emulation, whereas the typical emulation is playing it on a computer, like with your keyboard or something. But then you have the other side that's popped up yeah, in the last which few is weird. years, which is like your power packs and your EverDrives. Yes, we all started with like Nesticle, you know, in the 90s and stuff, but the sound's not great. It's... It doesn't translate perfectly gameplay-wise. So now with the EverDrives, it's like perfect. Well, it's not even perfect. It's, I have a cartridge that I can put the ROMs on a card into the cartridge and play it in my NES. <laughs> but the sound's perfect. The gameplay is perfect. Yeah. Everything's perfect about it, where the Nesticle is flawed. Like, yeah. it's, it's a little choppy, you know, that kind of thing. But when the ROM gets translated to the proper system that it's meant for, not PC, obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, you get something beautiful, which is probably one of the greatest things because now you can have your games in their tombs on <laughs> the display. Tombs. You can put them. You can put them there. <laughs> and uh, I'm guilty of this too. So that's that's the thing. Like I do it too. You know, I'm, I'm, I may be pointing fingers, but I'll point it at myself too. Absolutely. I'll kick in all directions. That's the thing. <laughs> it's just a fact, you know. Um, but also, they have those, um, like the Famiclone carts. There's those cool boy ones now, where there's like two or three hundred on a cart. It's kind of like the Neo Geo AES, like 111 multi card. Which how, how many is on yours? There's like more now. The one that you got me. Or the Neo. Isn't your Neo Geo multi-card just like 150 or 160? Like the keypad. 161 and one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, there's so many King of Fighters on there. <laughs> so <laughs> like what's what's funny though is that um, yeah. when you were talking about doing this Those for a podcast, too. I actually um, on the drive out here listened to the Arcade Outsiders podcast and. John Jacobson, which he runs John's Arcade, it's like a little arcade website, he said that the most frame thing he's done is, is he's gotten rid of his 161, because as soon as he got it, he stopped fucking playing his Neo Geo. That's the irony. And that's like the perfect thing. He's like, I would rather get back to collecting a few games, because then I'm going to play those games. And another guy mentioned that he got the Vetrix multi-cart, and he never played his Vetrix again. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, and the, the thing is, like, I'm starting to master certain games now, so I'm, I'm at the point personally where it doesn't matter what format it's on, I'm still going to play it. But looking on the other side, you, you don't have to take a cart out. You don't have to clean that cart. 
make sure, you know, try to get it to work. Okay, it doesn't work. All right, let's clean it again. You know, uh, and then like five minutes back later, up. You, you finally get it to work, and it, it, it's like you don't want to turn that thing off either. Because yeah. it's like, all right, we, we got it to work. There's no glitchiness going on. It looks perfect. Now, so it, it's almost like the whole ritual of it gives it more meaning because you can just press a button and go to the next one on the emulation, you know? Yeah. And I know the other issue with emulation is you, have, so easy, the, you know? have the uh, temptation of save states, too. Yeah, that's another thing, um, which is good and bad because it's cool to see the end of the game. Um, so I guess you can play it the way you want to play it, but it could get boring, too, because you're not challenging yourself. That's another thing people might want to be weary of. It's like putting in God mode when you're playing Doom. Eventually, yeah. you're like, this is dumb. Yeah, because the thing is... Because it's like, okay... There, there's I've a lot of people out there, though, that don't have the discipline to not use it when it's there. That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my... One of my cousins was always like that. You'd always put the codes on, like, Grand Theft Auto. Same with the Zach was like that, too. Yeah, my nephew always Zach. put the codes on because he just wants to go on, like, a rampage, you know? Exactly. And that's, that's always down fun and as shit. Yeah, it's, it's fun as shit, but the problem is is that it gets rid of all the difficulty. And you're also not playing it the true way. Yeah, because you can't really concentrate on a mission, you know? So you just kind of go on a shooting spree or whatever in Grand Theft Auto-wise, which is like you know, the thing with our home, the homework deal. Like we have to set a goal, and that's the thing. Once a goal is set and you have it in your mind to do it, and other people are relying on you too, which helps because we're going to talk about this. So yep. I want to be able to tell Jeff, and I'm sure Jeff wants to be able to tell me stuff about it. So that fuels... And then the thing is, that fuel creates nostalgia, and mm-hmm. then that nostalgia makes you love that game for the rest of your life, and you can pop that game in whenever you want, just like Ninja Gaiden for me, and just blaze through it, and it's just like, cool, you know, it's just like uh, sleeping or eating, it's, you know, it's like a natural thing at that point, like Mario World, you know, for us, it's just like crazy exactly. how fast we just fly through the levels, yeah, and how that's... warm and awesome that is. I think what the now that we're at homework that point, though, you have to get to that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the homework though is going to help me though per se because I mean we've mentioned it on previous podcasts. Um, but the thing is, is that like I'm going where I have to pare down my collection, and I'm active duty army, so I move around every three years. So the issue is, is that. I don't have the room to keep my collection, so I'm going to have to be very picky and choose exactly what I want to display, what I want to keep, what I want to move around, and everything that I can't display has to go away into storage, like not even out anywhere. So things like the EverDrive are going to become imperative so I can still play everything, and I think that the homework, what it's going to do is it's going to help me actually play games that I would that would necessarily because I don't even see them now they'll get left behind I'll forget about them so it's gonna be pretty pretty crazy <laughs> yeah and what you say kind of doubles back to the whole core of what we're talking about and just the appreciation of the small things and kind of taking a second to slow down in our lives and just concentrate on one thing, you know, and really making ourselves do it, you know, like really forcing ourselves because we have so much 
in our collection now that's like we can do whatever we want and it's kind of like time to come back to basics a little bit you know that's how I feel exactly that's why I think it's awesome yeah it's it's time and like I've actually before tried to jump into like there was like a forum or something where they were doing like these you know gaming competitions where there was some crazy arbitrary like scoreboard and basically what they do is every week they'd have a new game you would play and it was pretty cool because I'd be like alright this week I'm playing this fucking game on the ColecoVision I've never played before and we're going to try to score as high as I can and then you post your score and you see how well you do against other people you just post like a screenshot or something it was fun but on the other side you're constantly competing against each other and competing against people and to me it got old and there's people on there that were definitely not being you know honest and so with this homework thing we're just going to be playing for fun just so we can talk about it so we might as well just uh, do it how we want to do it yeah competition can bring the worst out in people and it it definitely ruins the whole point of of doing it and also just the whole um, everyone trying to outdo each other it's and it's more like from a reviewer's aspect, like how did you like the game? Like, um, was it something you'd pick up again? You know. So I think in a way, it gives, it also gives like a review for each episode. We can review a game basically. Yeah, I mean, it would help focus things and it give us an extra little something to talk about in between like our insanity where we're gonna bullshit about something. But yeah. The, 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 the irony is is that we're not at the uh, the game quite yet because <laughs> we're recording this the same day as we recorded the last episode. So, um, yeah, this will be like a, a bonus episode or a supplemental episode whenever we don't really have um, a week where we can record. That's what we're doing with this episode for. Yeah. Um, sounds good to me. Yeah. This will be a good bonus. And, uh, um, so, so really, it's like collecting versus gaming. I guess it comes down to it. Like exactly, which are, and and there's a fence in the middle. You know, uh, where are you? And if you're on that fence, or maybe you're on one side or the other, what what's the thing? You know, is it where does it start? Where does it end? Really? Like, do you collect the games? Because I'm kind of both, but I find myself. I, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not playing Little Samson. You know, it's in its case. So I'm. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's there. It's there for a collection kind of thing. But usage wise, you know, I'm playing. I'm, I'm gonna play like a multi, not like multi, like a Famiclone or you know, like a some kind of different way, a cheaper way emulation um, to actually play the game. But uh, I don't know. I think. The whole thing is, too, like, my setup's by my bar, so people can spill, like, beer and shit there, and it's kind of like, I would rather have them spill on something that's, like, you know, worth only a third of that, or, you know, like an eighth of that. Yeah. Now, shit, that thing's gone up to sick amounts. <laughs> um, so that's, that's kind of the whole thing. Um, that's, like, the conflict that I find myself facing as a collector and a gamer, and it's like a, it kind of becomes silly because these things are now, I mean, they're just artifacts, basically. So I guess I'm kind of on the middle. If I would say where I would be, maybe I'm just right in the middle of that fence. 
Because I can still concentrate on a game. I can still get through a game when I really want to. So it's not like I'm just buying these games, setting them on the shelf and walking away. Which, you know, you, you have that side too. You know? Yeah. It's, I think for me it actually comes in waves where there's certain times where I'm going to be playing a ton of games and then there's other times where I just kind of want hands off. <laughs> and then there's other times where I'm like, man, I really need to go out and hunt some games now that I haven't done in a while. So, I mean, it, I think it really comes with budget. It comes with what I have to do. Um, and, like, right now I have to pare down everything. I really don't have a choice because it's not going to be able to be displayed. I have a very finite, small area no. that I'm moving into. So I'm going to have to... That's the thing with that. Yeah. And... It's like, so it really, like, what it's done for me, though, this whole forced modification is it's helped me really look inward and see exactly what I want out of my collection, which is pretty cool. Um, right. Yeah. In the end, I mean, uh, can I still play the games? Yeah. So as the gamer aspect, I'll be good because if I can't play the game, I'm not going to get rid of it because I want to be able to play the ones that I like. Um... But I've also never been an all-inclusive collector because there's certain people that want every Nintendo game, or they want every boxed Super Nintendo game, or you know they want every like specific thing. And I've I've never been one of those type of collectors. I've always collected to play. Um, the thing is, is that Nintendo has so many great games um, that it gets insane and overwhelming. But with these flash cards, like that, because I have an average drive and I can play every Nintendo game. It's perfect. Um, so for me, like, I've decided, I decided this like a while ago before I knew about the space restraints. I actually decided that I'm going to only collect what is nostalgic for me. So <laughs> this could be a, a very dangerous thing when we start getting nostalgic for new games as we do homework and other stuff. But, like, a games that I grew up with, games that I love, awesomeness, those are the ones that I really, really want to uh, focus the collection on. So, like, for example, Gun Knack. Um, I never really played that one growing up, never rented it, but I got that from you for, like, a birthday or something. So... That one has more meaning than just a typical game that I would find at a flea market or buy online or something. So, like my, cool, my to... yeah, my collection is going to slowly go to that. the The other side was, and my wife said the perfect thing: you have all these games, you don't know what to play. Well, that's when we started the rental display thing, and that was completely my wife's idea. So basically. In my old collection, I actually had in the middle, instead of just having NES games all side by side, you can only see the side of it, and you see the text on what the game is, I actually had the boxes facing forward like you would see in a rental store, you see the artwork, and you're like, man, I haven't played that game in a while, it freaking looks badass, and it makes you want to play the game, and it gives you an extra, like, nostalgia kick, per se. And I know it kind of reignited you in the boxes as well, right, guys? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think there may be a slight delay at the moment, so it sounds, if it sounds like I'm interrupting you, sorry. I think it's oh no, it's no, just it's... the way that it's responding at the moment. I... But um, 
but but yeah, it's it's the whole because I've always been a very visual person. I've always been been a very art artsy and artistic person musically. Um, I can't like draw very well, but just I just love that kind of thing um, as far as the arts go. So yeah, I mean. Just, such beautiful artwork it's just, it always would blow me away and it, it would make me want to play like a game like deadly towers you know a lot of us were reeled in because it's like dude that that guy on there barbarian guy hell yeah this looks great <laughs> looks like a bad play the shit right now and then yeah i mean and then it, you know i think that, that that game it's actually called hell's bells i believe in japan um if once you know how to play it apparently um, it's not too bad, so that that might even be one down the road that we can give a go. But I think if, yeah. if you have, if you can play it, I think if you have like an EverDrive or something. But yeah, well, um, I mean, but yeah, I mean, just my my point being like the artwork can draw you in, and even if the game's not good, you're still gonna want to play it because it looks badass on the shelf, you know. Um, yeah. So it's just the power of that, and. Um, also, the power of nostalgia. I, I I also actually like getting the certain games that I don't I don't actually uh, like. Let's see, like Dirty Harry or Mad Max or like Terminator Two for NES. All for NES. We're talking here with boxes. Um, those are movies that I love. You know, like WrestleMania, the game. Like it's not the greatest wrestling game, but I love that whole idea and you know that to me is worth getting the box too because it's just like a pop culture at a time when we grew up like yeah you know WrestleMania is shit like hold the WCW with the Road Warriors on the front like that's awesome like fuck yeah so that's that whole thing too it kind of bleeds into like like the Indiana Jones games I mean I loved Indiana Jones growing up so that's just part of the whole fun too it's like a fun thing there's you got like Friday the 13th, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. You got your horror games and, you know, it's just so great to be able to collect for all that. Even if the game itself you're not that good at or you don't like, which is another thing to talk about. Like a lot of people just don't like the game because they're not good at it, which makes perfect sense. But if you were good at the game, would you in theory like it? That's another thing to talk or think about. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing too is that like, once you become decent at a game, you're the master of it. And a lot of games are are mastered with repetition. So if you played it a lot as a kid or you gave it the time of day, which is what the homework will let us do, like it, we might become good at some of these games that we might not necessarily have liked back when we were growing up. So you never know. Oh. You, know you know what's crazy? Yeah, is there's I'm, there's I'm like, always a chance. I'm sitting here, though, in the room looking around, and I'm like, Okay, so I just think about how you have your boxes displayed, and I have a lot of overdoor spots where I can make boxes. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. Might have to invest in yeah, the, in the super, console. Yeah, because that's a super, like, yeah, that's like an underutilized spot, you know, like, because above the door, not, not much goes there, so it's a good place to stick something. It's not in the way of anything, you know, kind of deal. Yeah, exactly, and... I mean, how I am, though, is that, like, I have everything planned in my room, how I'm going to display it in the, um, the little, my little gaming, like, downstairs that I have, my little man cave. Um, I have everything planned, but the thing is, though, is that things change, because 
Right now, I'm going to put the red 10 against one wall where I can play it, and, you know, I'm going to have my custom NES shelving that I made, you know, the, not the shelving, but the big wooden table that I made. I'm going to have that sitting there, and it's going to look oh, yeah. cool, but I don't know if I want to put it in the corner or in the middle yet of the room. Um, one of the other items that came with my gaming room was this, I have a rocking chair, so this rocking chair is super comfortable, too. There we go. It's nice to have a good, comfortable chair, man. Yeah, the, you mentioned like in the middle of the room. Um, that's what I eventually did with my uh, room here, the retro museum, as we like to call it. Um, but yeah, in the middle, I just figured I'd just make an island because the sides had already been taken. And <laughs> um, yep. You know, you just kind of, if you have room in the middle, it's a great place, you know, to put something if you have room. I'm thinking the middle of mine's gonna have the the comfortable chairs. Is nice, uh, like a nice place to sit, yeah. And that way you can. Well, that's just, really important, especially if you're gonna be doing some gaming. Yeah, and space is limited, so I figure against one wall I'll have you know the TVs, and then I'll probably have all the systems. My um, my wife had these little brown wooden cubicles which she was using for eBay stuff. And I think I'm going to put all the game systems in those because they're back in the open. Like, the backs are open. So then I can, like, have, like, the Turbo Graphics with the EverDrive in it and all the games with the EverDrive. So every game will be sitting there ready to be played and will be displayed, which will be awesome. Be so like, that's like a double, double shot right there. That's probably the most optimal way to do it, you know? Because, again, it's serving its purpose. <laughs> it's being played. Yeah. Kind of the whole conundrum of collecting versus gaming. <laughs> exactly. And then instead of having every single Nintendo game I own, every single Super Nintendo game that I own displayed, I'm going to go back to the shrines that I've had before, but I think it's only going to be like maybe Zelda and maybe Mario or something. I don't know. Like it's going to have to be like my ultimate, ultimate, ultimate favorite gaming series. And that's going to be it. Oh, Zelda's got to be up there. Yeah, well, Zelda's got to be close, right? <laughs> that's number one, but what else is going to make the cut? Yeah, I, I don't know. So. I don't know what else is going to make the cut. It's like, yeah, it was still like, you know, Mario's obviously in the top tier for you, but I, second tier, I was not like, you know, your Contra, Castlevania. I'm not sure where Mega Man would be, though, because you're pretty hardcore on that, too. Yeah, I mean, because the shrines that I had in my old place, because I had the whole basement, though, I had Zelda, I had Mega Man, I had a Dragon Quest shrine, um, Contra, Castlevania, Metroid, um, let's see, what else did I have? A homebrew, homebrew uh, section for, like, newer games that have been released. That was pretty awesome. Um, I had a, a Mother Earthbound shrine, um, a Final Fantasy one. That was pretty badass. So, and then I had, like, all the Genesis games displayed. Um, I had, like, a bunch of the Nintendo consoles displayed, which I figured those would go good on, like, the top of a box, uh, bookshelf over here. Just, like, all the, some of the box systems that I have. That'd be fucking cool. Okay. But, um... Yeah, it should look fine up there, yeah. But, yeah, like, I'm... Just, like, some of those shrines, though, like, eh, I don't need to have them displayed.
I had a Mortal Kombat shrine. That was fucking cool. But oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I helped add some figures to that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. During our little Mortal our Mortal Kombat like craze there. And yeah, I, Jeff I, and I had like a crazy ass Mortal Kombat craze. It was awesome. We just went nuts on it for a while. And Jeff actually had an MK2 arcade deal, which since he moved, you know. Yeah. Had to sell it over to um, one of the local places in Mishawaka, South Bend, Indiana, which is Reaction Games. They bought it from me, so they got it over in their location. Pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, like I'm going through Mortal Kombat, which I'm not even so much through a phase because I still play it with the wife on the newer systems. So it still gets its. Yeah, I guess with. Yeah, I mean, I guess with, with me, I, I really wanted to beat the very first game. Um, on the arcade, and get, you know, a bunch of, like, memorabilia stuff, so I tracked down a bunch of, like, rare figures and stuff. I was amazed at how rare the figures are. Um, pretty sought after, man. Like, Goro figures worth a lot, Scorpion figures are always worth a lot. It's all about Scorpion, everyone fucking loves Scorpion, including myself. Um, but that's one thing I noticed, too, when I was looking up Mortal Kombat stuff, was, like, a lot of people bash the game, for it being, like, not a good fighter. Um, I guess too simplistic and more relying on the gore. And that, that was one thing that I wouldn't say surprised me, but I was in, I was interested to see how many more haters there were than I initially thought. Um, <laughs> that kind of surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is that, like, Everyone. We, we got out to the new area, and uh, yesterday I went on the military post, and they have a GameStop there. Um, I went and pre-ordered Mortal Kombat X, Mortal Kombat 10. Um, with that pre-order, you get Goro unlocked in the game, so you can play as Goro, which is pretty awesome. But he asked me, he's like, do you want the normal edition, or do you want the limited edition? And the limited edition was $100 more... $100 more. But it came with a giant scorpion statue. Like, huge. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, and I looked at it. I looked That's at it. worth a shit ton. It already is, I'm sure. And this, the sad time is, though, is I look at Andrea and I'm like, we're not going to have room in the new house. This sucks. <laughs> like, I, I would love to have a um, giant scorpion statue displayed. Ninja Spectre, man. Yeah, like, oh, it's just that wah, wah, wah kind of in your head, you know? Exactly. <laughs> but it's never that bad because we, you are, you already have the world, like, basically, you know, in, in, in our terms, we have everything we could ever want more. I mean, so yeah. it, that's the one thing where, it, why it's never like, it's just a bittersweet, you know? Well, bittersweet. how I see, like, paring down the collection and all that is that, like, all right, I've already came across all this stuff. It's gotten to the point where I haven't played a lot of it, just like you were talking about how you haven't played some of yours. So it's like, if I do get rid of it, it's not a super, it's not a big deal. Um, I mean, I'll miss some of it. I'll probably regret some of it, especially in another 10 years when I actually retire from the military and settle down in a big house. I'm going to miss some of that stuff and be like, man, now I have all this room and I had all this stuff back in the day that I got rid of. However, we've had so many awesome experiences hunting. I still will be able to go out and hunt the stuff down. It's still going to be fun. It'll be great. And I'll slowly come across 
amazing items again, and that's just how it is. I mean, it's not, to me, it's like it'll almost, rebuilding the collection might be as fun as building it in the first place. Yeah, and um, that's, that's what I say is so bittersweet about the whole thing, because you can always look back and smile, even if, even if things fell through or whatever, or, because me and you have never had problems finding shit. Hell no. And that's what people, you know, that's my thing about people are like, there's nothing out there. Like, Jeff and I, like, have trouble, like, not finding things. Like, we have to, like, not, we have to, like, hold back. In between, that's, that's um. The thing that I, you know, like. In between recording these like, two oh, podcasts, sure, like, like, I was telling you, this. like, today I found three games. <laughs> I actually didn't tell you about the third game. So I got Echo the Dolphin on the Genesis, like, Mint. I got a Gran Turismo on the PlayStation 1, Mint. And, I mean, I'm saying for, like, a dollar a piece. And then the last one I got was for the PC. It was called XIII, or 13. I guess it was on the GameCube as well. It was done by one of the guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I got the PC when it's sealed. <laughs> like, I found that today. Cool. The, like, yeah, it's a it's a first-person shooter, I believe, and it's yeah. kind of like a, um, a comic book. Yep, it's all cel-shaded and drawn. And, yeah, it looks badass. That game's awesome. Yeah, I, I have it for GameCube, actually. For GameCube, I, I actually got, like, all the first-person shooters pretty much for the system. You know, that was that was my thing. I, I tried to get them all because they're so cheap at the time. I, maybe they still are. I don't know. They, they but definitely man, are. you're talking like four dollars for a complete anything. <laughs> well, the thing you with know, the, like most, you know? the the GameCube though is that um, like we we're talking about it being underrated in one in one of the other podcasts, and it is. But people have been snatching up the games. The games weren't produced in as high quantity as the PS2 games. So, when you go out and try to find, I don't know, like the Mega Man X collection on the GameCube, you're going to find it on the PS2 before you find the GameCube. That's just how it is. The GameCube is just a little more, um, a little more rare. Not even rare, because they're still produced in a lot of quantity, but they're just going to be a lot less common than what you're going to find for the PS2 or even the Xbox, honestly. Yeah, I think that's kind of why we put the GameCube in the un unappreciated list because it really is in a way like the unsung console of that generation mm -hmm. I mean it's it goes to say like we were always saying like it's the most pop or not most popular but the um, the least popular but the most powerful and they kept the same uh -huh. exact processor and everything for the Wii like that next gaming generation for Nintendo which was <laughs> miles behind the PS3 and the Xbox 360 it was the GameCube again and the thing was, is Nintendo killed that generation because they were like, well, we can't just go on power. Let's go on fun factor. And you know what I mean? It's and like, the, they just, really, the, yeah, it's, I, I think the proof of what you're saying with Wii and GameCube is on the original Wii, you could play the GameCube on it. it actually, you could plug a controller in there and play a GameCube game on the Wii. Unfortunately, with the new um, black we, I found out personally that you can't play the GameCube on it anymore. Yeah, they did the the black release that you have, and then like the last release they did, which I think is going to be like their SNES Mini and the NES Mini or NES Two, the top loader. 
Like, they did a black and with red trim Wii that's like a mini version. That thing looks freaking cool. It was like 100 bucks or maybe $50 at one time on sale. But that one's super, super cool looking. And that'll probably be a little obscure item later. They're still at stores right now. Once they start clearing them out, I'm going to nab one up, I think. Just throw it away in a box somewhere. <laughs> Maybe might as well. <laughs> Get exactly. it for cheap while you can. Exactly. It's just... That's the thing, though, is, like... I, I really think, though, that... Emulation versus, like, actually playing the, the games, like, there's something to be said, like, but... I really feel in our aspect, as long as we can play it with no lag, so you get the same gaming experience, I think it'll be alright. The perfect example that we have right now is we both have the Xbox CoinOps Arcade, where everything is on the Xbox, it plays arcade games, it plays every console, um, up to... 64 and PS1 has everything on there and we can play it right now um, and we can play every game and all the games don't have lag as long as you play it on a CRT it doesn't have any lag um, I know I'm not one to pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars to upscale to an LCD so I'll probably always have a nice decent CRT I mean I have my PDM, professional video monitor that I have that was from a TV station. That thing works amazing. It's, you know, a smaller screen. It's not 72 inch TV or none of that crap. But it works for my gaming. <laughs> I almost like playing it like that. So. Yeah, I, I'm still with the old tube TV too. Gotta love those tubes and the CRT treats, man. Um, I, I could get the, uh, I, I could upscale. I mean, I have flat screens, too. I, I think that's where the um, Retron 5, I think it's called, uh, comes in, because a lot of people can just get that system, and you can upscale, like, right away. You know, because it's, it's got HDMI in the back. It's only HDMI. Fuck. Um, so that's the only... That's the thing about the Retron 5 that does... It, that is nice, because I, if I had, like, four of them, I could put them on all my TVs, like... Around the house, you know, that's well, cool. The, the thing that's, is, though, is but, that uh, the Retron Five still has the issue that if you the, that if you plugged an NES into a TV, an LCD or a giant HD TV, like you would still have a little bit of ghosting or a little bit of delay. And I'm saying, like, from a normal aspect, you would have to get used to the new controls if you mastered it on a tube TV. And that's what drives me nuts. Um, the thing is, though, is on a smaller LCD, like the one that's on your bar, you have a small little LCD TV. That one, actually, you don't notice the lag because it's so small. That's not an issue. Um, you have a little bit bigger ones up on your wall. That one, you might notice it. On the Retron, you might not notice it. But once you go to, like, 55-inch TV like like or 72-inch TV, you're going to notice it because... If the lag comes in is that what happens is, is it takes your aspect ratio and it stretches it to HD. The bigger the TV, the more it has to work, the more it has to stretch, and it works every second or every millisecond it has to do this. So that's where we run into issues with all this lag. 
you remember we were playing Mario, um, Super Mario World on the Wii on my big TV when, like, a couple houses ago, <laughs> and it was like we were playing fucking ice skates. I'll dude. never forget. <laughs> we felt, I felt like, like, stupid, because it, like, we know we're awesome at this game. We know we can plow through this, and we're, we can't beat, like, the, you know, this, the ice level is driving <laughs> us crazy. We, like, got so pissed off. That was hilarious. And it's true, though, like, because we're very Twitch-sensitive. Well, when you master a game, you are, because it's it's a part of you. It becomes a part of your instinct, and you just know when to hit the button. You just know exactly right when to do it. I mean, the exact millisecond. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if that gets twitched out, messed with, man, you're like, Even an eighth of a second, you're pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, I thought maybe we were just getting... i That's so true. I thought we were just getting, like, old or something, and we just couldn't handle it anymore. And then we <laughs> then we go and play, like, actual Super Nintendo with Super Mario World, and we were, like, masters again, just running through, fucking playing it with my, my, my cock and balls and being able to beat a level. Like, that's just how it is. Yeah, that was, like, a few months ago. It was just destruction. All right, so the lag should be gone soon now. Very soon, the lag should, okay. should, should be gone, or should be back to how the last recording was, because the old old ones should be gone. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's good, though. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of cool anyway, because it's it's kind of a lesson in podcasting, like, just let the other guy have his say. Absolutely. And kind of thing. It's, um... The thing was is that with the the lag is gone now, it it still might be working on getting us back to getting things back to normal, but it was probably one to two second lag. It was more than you could hear on your side because I can hear it on my side, and my side is the side that's recording, so you'll be able to hear it differently when you listen to it again. It'll be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, because it's actually I can hear your voice in real time, but I can hear my echo come through once in a while on your end. Oh, really? Um, I, I can just pick up on it, because that's what I do at work with the webinars all day long. Yeah. So I can just know what to hear, and I can hear my echo come out, and then, or you'll, like, stop and, like, respond to it. But I actually said that, like, two seconds ago. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's, we're good now. It, it took, so for, like, an hour podcast, it takes about 45 minutes to upload. <laughs> okay. Craziness. Not a bad deal. But, um, yeah, we can go back to what we were just talking about with the craziness of, like, Mario ice skates and, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, like, Andrew was just watching. I was like, God, you guys are getting pissed off. But really, it's so frustrating because you know what you're capable of, and it's like they clipped your wings, you know? It's, That's exactly what it feels like. They clipped your wings. <laughs> it's kind of like how the shovelware on the Super Nintendo really isn't that great where the shovelware on the Nintendo still is because it has good controls. A lot of the games I don't like on Super Nintendo are like little platformers and it's like you're, it's just like a little floaty and I don't like that shit. And it's like Super <laughs> Nintendo is like the classic of that because like a perfect example is like Andrea's forte, she's like really good at Paperboy 2 and it's, the controls aren't, aren't that responsive on it but she's used to it and she's the master of it. Whereas the controls on Paperboy 2 on the Genesis 
are very responsive, and I I can immediately pick up and play that one, and she doesn't <laughs> like it because she's not used to it. I'm the perfect person like for this because I play both, and I can say there's a learning curve on the Super Nintendo one. Yep. But when you play the Genesis one, which I played for the first time with you, and I think I did pretty good. Well, they added a jump button to the Genesis one, so you can go to the curb and jump over the curb out of the way of like the monster trucks and shit. So. I mean, that's way better, you know. That, that's like how uh, Lone in the Dark they added the run button for 3DO. Yeah, just this that little thing though. It's really cool too because what when you go off the ramps, like maybe if you jump right when you're going off the ramps, you'll go like super high or something. That'd be cool. That would be awesome. I never tried that. Yeah. Another reason. Mess with that. Another, yeah. Maybe might cool. be another nominee for homework. <laughs> yeah, that's a. Buy it. They're probably pretty cheap. I actually should buy it because I, I love Paperboy games. It's like the only one I don't have, I think. Yeah, it's, it's a fun one. Well, the thing is, though, is you may have it on the Xbox Arcade. And oh, that's true. That's if, true. I and if you, do. if you do, then that works for homework. And that's why we'll just have to make sure, like, if, like, if we're on the podcast coming up with another homework, we'll just be like, alright, let's see if you got it on the Xbox Arcade and because mine's like the massive one because I upgraded the hard drive in mine. But yours is the yeah, stock. First wave. Yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. It's possible. And that's the thing. Some of our homework can be arcade games that we need to play too. Definitely. That'll be fun shit because then we can just sit back in the house and chill out, drink a beer, and play some fucking games. I mean, that's really what it's all about. Yeah. Whether you win or lose, just having a good time, you know? Well, yeah, and, and I mean, the basic mentality is is that we got to get our you know collection versus emulation we got to get our gaming back into check <laughs> we haven't really been gaming as much as we should have as we should be I mean yeah I can say that for a lot of people that I know too um, yeah it's just taking for granted the collection you have um, and exactly. it, it just kind of comes back to even, even if if you care about your collection, you almost have to love emulation. I mean, mm-hmm. well, it, just, emulation it almost has to go hand in hand because eventually you're going to need it because yeah. these games aren't going to work forever. So I, I, I remember Kevin mentioned something like... Preservation. Yeah, like that's really what it is. We're like preserving the past, like the old VHS movies that were never transferred to DVD. They're gone. If nobody burns those VHSs, you know, to an MP4 or, you know, uh, a DVD or whatever, if no one does that, that data is lost forever. And that's kind of the thing. Like, eventually, emulation is a necessity because there's going to be no other choice, you know. Yeah, that's why I really, I have no problem doing emulation. I have no problem with any of that. It's just, there's there's a fine line because having stuff on my shelf looking awesome is is very, very addictive. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's, that's the collector part of me. Yep. That's why I, I can say I'm firmly, like, on the fence. I mean, I'm, I'm the same guy who has a complete set of Amiibos, and <laughs> it's like... And the thing is, though, is that the space reason, again, I may you know, get rid of some of those, too, but I'm going to keep the ones I like for shrines, for display. You'll make a lot of money, I'm sure, on that. Oh, my God. Well, no, it's, the thing is, though, it's always a, a type of collecting goes in waves where 
I think a lot of people jumped on the Amiibo bandwagon. They're all going to get out right about now. So I would probably hold on to them for a little bit. Maybe put them at the end of my selling spree that I'm going to have to eventually do. <laughs> it sounds like it's peaking. Yeah, it, it feels like it's peaking. It feels yeah. like it's peaking. When they start doing limited edition gold figures, you know that they're really pulling, <laughs> they're really going to start pissing people off. So Mario jumped the shark, right? Yeah. Well, I, I like the Amiibos jumped the shark. Well, Mario Rolf. <laughs> Fights at the store. Yeah, yeah. Theft. <laughs> Larceny. Well, here's the other thing, okay? So, oh, I'm going to sell my gold Mario on eBay. I've seen people open up Amiibos, customize them, and put them back in the box sealed. Like they never yeah, I was open. reading that there was a Nintendo Age post. I was like, you got to be fucking me. They, they look really bad, too, like bad paint job you can tell it's I've like seen some shot. really good ones but here's the thing like I've seen people do like a Waluigi or another one like Dixie Kong from Duck Country 2 I think it is and yeah, yeah, like yeah, they yeah. did a it's custom card or Metal Mario and they did a custom card that says Metal Mario on it it looks like it was released with Amiibo so here's the who's to say that somebody doesn't just open up a normal Mario, paint it, it's the same pose as the Mario one, paint it, do a custom back card, and then just sell a bootleg. Oh, yeah, rare not, really gold Because, I mean, the thing is, is that there's going to be high-res scans of the box back. And there's a guy who did Rayman on Smash Brothers for the Wii U, where they actually, he created a fake video and it looks perfect in HD so if, if they can do that they can reproduce the back of a piece of cardboard you know what I mean and, and, and those are still on um, cards right like bubbles and cards yes the figures. So, so if you take a uh, like a blow dryer you can actually melt that and actually get it to come off, right off of the card without damaging the card yep, and then you can the place thing. it back on there and just add a few drops of glue even if you may not even have to the glue will probably still be wet from when you melted it yeah, you just um, re you just reheat it again and press it back on exactly it's that easy that's what they saw, do yeah, yeah I, I saw the Samus the double cannon I'm sure you saw that one yeah yeah that was like the big one that was like holy shit is this is this a factory is it a factory uh, screw up or you know like I don't know who's to say <laughs> another thing with collecting versus emulating. Right now is a precipice I'm using huge words here of collecting because who's to say that somebody doesn't take a perfect version of I don't even know like Flintstones 2 and they're able to actually put it on a real cartridge print out the label, make it look one to one perfect do the box, make it look one-to-one -one perfect. Do the manual, make it look one-to-one -one perfect, and release a bootleg. Yeah, he totally like took the words out of my mouth. 
Like exactly, I yeah. was even going to use the fr- the Flintstones two reference. It's it's bad now, man, and it's kind of like it's getting to the point where piracy is one thing, but this is like a whole another level. You know, I don't know. This is because I mean, people are people think it's real. Yeah, and I've seen so. people do it for like fifty dollar games. A game like freaking Flintstones two or Samson or Stadium Events is a no brainer, but. Why people are doing $50 games is because what are you going to do for a Flintstones 2? You're going to make them take a picture of the board. Right. If they don't, if, if they don't do a one-to-one board, which I don't think they're quite at a one-to-one board yet, but the thing is, though, is that if you do like a $50, under $100 game, you're not going to ask them to open up the game, generally. If you're OCD, some people still will. And they'll like videotape them, tape them opening the package and opening up the cartridge and shit. They're crazy, so they can claim it and get their money back from eBay. But most <laughs> right. of the time, like I sold some super, some of my Super Nintendo games, because um, I started to pare shit down when I was in Plymouth, or not Plymouth, Mishawaka. But when I was over there, and the thing was is that I, nobody asked me, even at the hundred dollar level, they didn't ask me to um, open up the game and show them the board. So, I think those are the ones, like, 50 to $100, like, you're going to start seeing some crazy bootlegs, because there's huge high-res label databases. People can just print out a, you know, Gradius 3 or R-Type 3 or whatever it was that I sold recently that a guy tried to screw me over on. Like, you could easily do a label reproduction on that, and that's an easy $100. Yeah, and that's why, like, uh, like here's the thing, like, I'm a really ethical person, and when I say piracy is okay... What I'm really saying is, you know it's a pirate. Okay, someone made this. You can't stop people from making, doing what they want. People are going to do what the fuck they want. But at least you know what it is. At least you know what you're buying. So this, like, steps the boundaries of that, where it's like... It It almost... It makes me not even want to get a Flintstones 2 right now. Because that's, like, that stadium event. It's like we talked about before. Mm-hmm. That's the only two that I want, that I need, I should say. Um, I'm not even going to want to get those anymore because I'm too paranoid now. Well, and, and the irony was is that I bought you the stadium events. I didn't. I thought I was getting a good deal. I didn't know it was the April Fools. The guy that I bought it from, I think he thought it was like implied that it was the April Fools at that pro- at that price, and it was on Nintendo Age. So I, you know, after you opened it up and said, "Hey, dude, the." Um, there's an EPROM that's covered with marker. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh shit. So I started researching it and it was the April Fool's one. I'm like, hey guy, you sold me the April Fool's one? And he's like, yeah. I was like, oh. And he was kind of a little snippy about it, but the thing was is that he's like, yeah, I, was, well, I wouldn't have sold you real stadium events for that price. I'm like, oh yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that's the thing though, is that like, that one, it didn't have the gold sticker that's supposed to have on it for April Fool's. It looked exactly like a stadium event. So... <laughs> it's... It's dangerous, dude. But it's... it's You actually made the right choice, like, in the long run and looking back in hindsight, um, which is cool, you know, because now it's worth a shit ton more than it was. Oh, yeah. But, um, it's it's worth know. a fuck ton now. So I got it, like, for super cheap price and then... Like, now the April Fool's one's a few hundred dollars, so... And we even got the guy to make us, like, a label. 
And uh, I guess those were like hand numbered, so I'll never know like what that was. But at, at least the guy who made re repro labels made us the label. That's the thing. The label says reproduction on it. And I, I just, I don't even want to buy Flintstones 2 now because I, I'm not even going to take the chance. Number one, I, I wouldn't pay $700 anyway. But if, you know, if someone just gave me $700 and said buy Flintstones 2, I'd be like, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know if that's a good idea anymore. It's, it would have to be the right kind of thing. Like you said, the, the board would have to be visible. I, I, I'd almost need to have to see it like in real life. I'd almost have to physically go there. And, like That's what people have been doing for like the Nintendo World Championships or a lot of these prototype carts. Like a, I don't know, like if somebody found, um, what is it, on Ultimate Journey or whatever it is, the really rare platformer that's still undumped and it's missing. Um, I know who actually has that game <laughs> on Nintendo Age. It's fucking, you're a Native American in a platformer, and it's badass with powers and everything. But um, the thing is, though, is that, like, if you're going to buy a game like that, it's going to cost you thousand thousand bucks or something. Like, or, you know, Nintendo World Championships, the gold one's, like, what, $20,000 now or some shit? Um, Gosh. People meet in person, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, in, in the public setting, they... You know, exchange cash in person. There's no online transactions at that point when you get to that level. I think Flintstones 2 should, is almost to that point where you need to go do that same type of thing where you're going to have to travel to meet the person. It's going to be a big event. <laughs> yeah, it's still worth it because you're spending like, what, $700? Yeah. On basically a piece of plastic and a chipboard <laughs> with a label on it. Yep. Um, that's where I'm hitting my. I don't even want that game. <laughs> yeah, because that, that's that's where back in the day when we buy games, it, it didn't hurt. It didn't feel like a shot to the nuts. Now every it's like Jesus Christ, it's like scat, you know. So eighty, ninety dollars now, you know, Kid Clown, same deal. Like what? Like all of a sudden, all this shit's through the roof, and you're just like, doesn't even make you want to collect anymore. Um, yeah. Personally, I, it, I guess it just reinforces the fact that you should just go for what you want, you know? So, so here's a good question for you. Uh, what NES game, or even game in general, did you spend the most money on? Hmm. Yeah. I was just thinking about that when you said, like, the prices. And I'm like, I know you got a lot of your rare carts, like, super cheap, because we bought them, like, six, ten years ago. Like, what is your most expensive game that you spent the most on? I'd probably say that that little Samson. Um, and uh, it wasn't even that much. I can't remember what, what we were talking about, but it was like, it was over like 50 or 60 bucks at the time. Um, because I actually went home. I'm like, no. I actually went home and looked it up, and then it was like, for two hundred dollars or something, and then I'm like, "Oh my god!" And then I like ran back to the store. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no one bought that. <laughs> so, so that's the game that you spent the most money on was like under a hundred bucks. I would say yeah. Because, so, um, so, so the people listening to the podcast need to think about this. Kyle has every Nintendo game except for Flintstones two and Stadium events, and he has a Caltron and an Action Fifty Two, and he didn't spend more than a. $80 on any of them, any individual game. <laughs> People should be shitting themselves right now. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing 
is like it's it's fun Rifters, to go Rifters, man. Rifters, man. That's what we are. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm, I'm not saying the price is going up makes me want to stop buying it because well, I'm still buying like different stuff. But if I didn't have all the cards, I still want to get them. But just going on eBay, looking it up. That's what's getting really hard now. It's also finding those certain cards is really rare, is really hard in the wilds because they're just so few and far between. You know, those later um, carts like the panic restaurants and your bonks and stuff. So that if you find one in the wild, it's super hard. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think the other one I paid for the I paid seven, seventy bucks for a boxed Indiana Jones um, Ubisoft Ubisoft Ubisoft. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's the the Taito version is like the more common one, but the Ubisoft version is like the very uncommon one. It's, it's funny because they actually have the same cover. It's it's the one NES game that has the same cover, but it's a different game. Two different two games. companies released yeah. it. Um, that's the one I paid probably the second most on. So I think I paid like sixty or eighty for the Little Samson, but uh, seventy for that Indiana Jones. But it had the box with it, so... That's, you know. like, ironic, though, is that, like, I probably spent more on, like, the Everdrives and stuff, because those are at the, like, 100 150 200 bucks for some of the deluxe ones. I think I spent more on those than I have on, like, any of the games that were in my collection. Because I got everything else, like, super cheap. Like, it's, it's weird. I'm thinking about, like, the most I've spent on, like, a game, and it's, like... I'm in the same boat as you, where I haven't really spent a ton on any one game. Yeah, it was almost like less than six months after I like pretty much completed all that I could realistically. It exploded because I I can remember that, and I know for a fact that it did because I was about to buy, I was about to pull the trigger on Flintstones uh, two. And it was 150 bucks, and, I, I, and it was hard, and I, I didn't do it. And I, I, I still remember that I could have had it, a mint condition, perfect label, perfect top label, everything for 150 bucks. And I was like, uh, and I, I remember about a month after that, it was at like 300, and then it was at 400, and then 700, you know, like whatever it's at now. I don't even know. Million. I'll have to go. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to go check it, but it's. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. Um, yeah. That's, that's craziness, man. And that's the thing, like... And then you got, like, shit, like, the new homebrew stuff, like... Um, they, they've been doing, like, limited edition homebrews for some of the newer Nintendo games that are released on Nintendo Age and other, like... And NES Dev and other websites. And Kahan Games did the E.T. one, and it's going for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I need to go see what that end of that, because... <laughs> like, like, goddamn! Like, I was gonna buy. I think I talked about it on like podcast a few episodes ago, but it was like it was freaking crazy because I was gonna get. I think it was Larry. There was a limited edition Leisure Suit Larry one. They only did ten. One came with a beer, and it was like gonna cost me four hundred fifty bucks. So I was like, no, <laughs> one game. That's a lot of fucking dough, man. I mean, they do, like, a cool little collector's thing with knickknacks and shit, but not $450 worth of knickknacks. Like, everything I get is, like, I like to get it thrifty, man. That's how I've always been. <laughs> that kind of kills the thrill of it. It's not thrilling anymore because your bank account's taking a hit. Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing, like, 
it's it's kind of like what Billy Mitchell said back in the day, like old arcades. You know, you had to really sh- throw show your skill. Whereas later on in the nineties, people would have a world record by having the biggest piggy bank. Having the, you know what I mean? Yep. Like with the Boom the Boom Patrol game, that was one of the first to implement continuing your score with the coin. Whereas when your continues were gone. In, you know, like Gallagher or something, that's sort of centipede, that's it, you're done. Yeah, so so when you see these guys like the YouTubers, the popular ones, like perfect example, Pat the NES Punk, and he won't disclose how much he spent on a on his Nintendo World Championships, which means thousands. Um, you know, that's okay. like okay, you had a big piggy bank, it wasn't like you found it at a garage sale for ten bucks. And then on the other side, I see Retro Liberty and Ricky from Retro Liberty picked up the Super Nintendo Arcade for 150 bucks. That's what I'm talking about. That's, that's my, my guy right Those there. Those are my boys, <laughs> man. I'm just saying, like, like that's the little difference in mentality. And everybody tells me that Pat has that, you know, elitist collector attitude when they t- see him in person. Whereas, you know, other guys that they meet, like Retro Liberty or Game Chasers or anybody else, they're, like, really cool to talk to. And it's like, why do you have that elitist attitude if, you know, like you just spent your money on your collection anyway? So, so what? You have a lot of money to blow. <laughs> yeah. What, what I think is funny about that, remember the nerd episode um, with the World Championships cart and yeah. like Pat, like I think it was like some dream or hallucination or something. Um, which is that's the stuff that I'm talking about that makes like the nerd awesome. He goes into these little like scenes. <laughs> that where was Pat a great episode. Had, Pat had like a suit on. He was, like, at a podium, and he's like, I have the best collection in the world, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, it came so easily to him, like, because that was part of his personality, like, he is kind of, you know. And you talk about, like, seeing this collection, and it's like, I remember seeing him pan the collection, we were watching the video together, and we're like, God, look at the label condition, and he's always talking about getting upgrades, it's like, you collected your entire NES collection under $80 a game, and your all your labels are mint. <laughs> like, everything much, you have yeah. like a you have a, a mint fucking collection under <laughs> under a hundred bucks a piece like and what what I would like to comment on that is like a lot of them they they were peeling like the labels were peeling or but I just restored them too so well yeah restoration's could, great yeah or or they were like covered with stickers and I mean stickers on the labels on the actual labels, and so people are like, this game's fucked, you know? But I'll actually take that game and make it look like you just opened it out of the... And that's like, what you were saying, that's part of the love, and part of the reward, because... um, And it's interesting, too, because you're seeing the game as it originally was from the factory, right? Yeah. But no one knows how much work you just put to get it to its neutral state. Which exactly. is kind of a, a funny thing. Like it, it was like when um, when I got my Nintendo Red Tent, I got it for five hundred bucks. Which the Nintendo Red Tent now is going for like a thousand, and then with the Play Choice that I have, that's another five hundred to a thousand bucks. But I got it for five hundred bucks, and there was so much stuff. Like it came with like Double Dragon in one side and RBI Baseball in the other. It was, you know, um, the buttons didn't make sense. Like, the colors were all jacked up. They weren't stock. I went through and restored it all the old stock, like original parts, original colors. I put in, you know, the Play Choice 10 side has, like, ult- our ultimate games in it. 
on the other side I have Gradius on the versus side. Like I put so much time and effort into it and it's all restored and looks amazing. Looks like it should have when it was sitting at like a Pizza Hut, like back in the day. That's yeah, sexy beast right there. Yeah, and then like we've added stuff to like your whole madness on your fridge where you have all like the boxes and stuff and I added like one magnets for each game that's in the Play Choice 10 so you can easily see what the games are without even going to the menu, which is pretty cool. Little bonus. Yeah, because the Play Choice 10 metal, so you can just go whoop, put it right on the damn side. That's really cool because that's almost, that totally reminds me of like the M, uh, the MVS because it has like the pictures on the top of the four yep. games that are currently in there. On, on the, the four slot, obviously. But yeah, it's like the same thing. It's like this is what this you can play. That's just cool, man. Yeah. I love the little intricacies like that. Just That's what makes a good thing fucking great. But that's the difference between a good thing and a great thing. And and what's great about that that is, is number one, it's, it's removable. So yeah. I've seen people do a blue NES Red Timer. They made it blue, and it's like, ugh. Or, yeah, they jack. And one made them do a Donkey <laughs> Kong. Or, or they take it and they put decals like the one one of my guys uh from twin galaxies that i met at the event riddick rick he does like sticker decals that he puts over all the nintendo stuff and like so like there's like a little mario brothers bezel around for versus mario or sight bite bezel which looks cool but then like it takes away from the retroness too like there's something about it that i don't like i like the original look of the cabinet and it actually kills it as far as it kills the value like on an end like an antique scale, it should. Everything antique is always worth the most in its natural state. Because why? Because no one fucked it up. <laughs> That's the whole thing of it. That's the whole thing. Like no one fucked it up. No one dropped it. No one threw it away. No one painted on it. No one put decals on it. No one yeah. broke it, uh, punched it. You know, like treated it like shit. Well, there's it's, certain it's, stuff too, it's like it survived, you know. Like in, it in antiquing, the they call it um, they call it patina, <laughs> and like my red tent has a, a dent in it that on the top that looks like I don't know if it was hit or something in its time. I I don't know. There's a like few story. Yeah, and on the uh, control panels, there's some you know where people were playing it, like indentations from hands or you that's know. Awesome where, shit. Though. And I'm not that changing shit. that. I'm not painting. I'm not fixing that because that's, that's the part best. of the history of the system. That makes it alive. It, it makes it. It's like loved. It's been around. It's like an ancient beast, and it's still ticking. That's badass. And it also yeah. gives a character, and it, it's like a battle scar. It's like. It's a part of what it is. Yep. It shouldn't be. It, sh- it, it should be embraced. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. And th- that's what really worries me is when I get my collection, everything delivered to me in the red tent is if that thing is messed up, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the, the thing. We're, we're not saying, like, take a hammer and fucking smash it. Yeah. But, but it's, it's those things that happen over time. Uh, naturally, <laughs> but yeah, I really hope it doesn't get fucked up, man. I just, yeah. I'd, shit, I'd shit myself for you. Oh yeah, well I have all the boards here, <laughs> all the expensive pieces to it, aside from the actual innards of the red tent. But I have all the uh, the motherboards with me. Those those came with me. It was easy to transport. So um, we're at about an hour and twelve minutes, so we probably should start wrapping up. <laughs> 
right. Any uh, clothing, closing thoughts on the emulation versus console topic that we've kind of jumped all around? I just really say just to embrace both of them is what I would recommend. Don't hate on any one side more than the other because we're all just there to game. They all go together and, in the end. And we're all just there to collect, so I mean, maybe I, not all, but... Um, there's really a fine line between them, you know, and I, I really feel like something like our bullshit homework that we're doing is a way to help breathe new life into some of the games. I mean, and we're not just going to stick with NES like we're doing. We do NES for one, but we're not just going to do one system. We're going to try. We're going to jump all around with shit that maybe we've wanted to play. So we could throw a fucking RPG in this bastard and be like, all right, well. It's an arbitrary time. We don't have to finish it by one week. We'll play it. We'll talk about it in a week and be like, hey, what about, you know, our homework from before? You still playing that? Maybe we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and shit, there's some RPGs I've been wanting to jump back into. Everybody's been talking about Mario RPG, and I'm like, man, I haven't played that in years. That game's awesome. <laughs> and also, I, I don't want to set the wrong signal of with the emulation. Like, I need to play the emulation on the actual system itself. Yeah. yeah. That's what we mean. Like, we don't just mean any emulation. We mean actually on the hardware. Yeah, I mean, we, we covered all the different yeah. aspects of emulation during the podcast. It's just, I mean, I I 100% agree, though, that if I'm going to do emulation, it's going to be on the hardware or on something that can emulated with no lag, which would be like something like the Xbox Coin-Ops Arcade. That's like a glorified PC, but you can play it on a CRT, and there's no lag. The controller has a decent D-pad. There's some different um, adapters you can get to have play, like, play it with an NES controller if you really want to get hardcore with it. But if I'm going to spend that kind of money, I'm just going to get an Everdrive and play it on my NES. So. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole thing is, like, I'm, I'm actually... 90% of what I play are on physical carts, just like dupes that I have or something like that. Yep, But yep. Um, I do totally support... Okay, you're basically doing the same thing. As long as you're playing the emulation on the same... on the hardware, it's the exact same as if you would have a cartridge. So basically, you're getting the same experience, except for the fact that, you know, you're not taking the cartridge out and putting it in the system, which is cool, too. It's classic, oh, it's but... It's part but, of the fucking amazingness. Yeah. But when it comes to just playing the game itself and wanting to beat a game, wanting to learn how to get better at a game, it's the same thing. As long as you're playing on the actual hardware. So exactly. that's my thing. Cool. But yeah, yeah, I just want to make sure that hit home there. Yeah. Cause oh, yeah. Absolutely. People are very sensitive, and so am I. So it's got to make sure to explain myself. Well, and their um, sensitivity completely. probably didn't get this far into the podcast. <laughs> they probably, probably they, they, they already like twenty you guys. twenty minutes in. They're like, "Fuck these guys." <laughs> but um, as always, though, whoever wants to talk with us, tell us your input. Go to uh, and email us at vgbspodcast at gmail Um, you know, let us know how you feel about it. Like, if you have any stories on you know getting into or out of collecting. I know there's people that go all over the place all the time, and we love to hear from it, and we'll, I mean, we'll come back to it. We might even do, like, a viewer mail freaking episode or something if we get a lot of emails or some shit, you know what I mean? Um, you never know. <laughs> That's right. 
But that's one thing that's for sure, man. But all right, man. Um, let's uh, right. let's sign off on the uh, the podcast, and we'll talk to you later. All right. <laughs> See ya.